This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live for our final segment of today's uh, program. And uh, with us for this next half hour is Father Jeff Epler from the Diocese of Fargo, who's now uh, located in Grafton, North Dakota. And uh, he's a convert, and we wanted to talk about that and, uh, and his, uh, his journey to the priesthood. So, Father, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and kind of uh, you can slip into the story from there. Well, thank you. Um, well, I grew up uh, Methodist in St. Louis, Missouri, actually, born and raised. And uh, the closest thing I had to the Catholic Church was St. Peter's right across the street from the Methodist Church. And, uh, of course, we never never understood what was going on in those Catholic churches, you know. <laughs> so it's always mysterious. A long trip yeah, across the street. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I was pretty active in my Methodist Church all the way through high school, even though... Uh, my family had kind of stopped practicing um, a number of years before my senior year in high school, but I continued to go. And, and uh, the closest I ever got to learning about the Catholics was that I had a girlfriend in high school who was Catholic, frankly. And, and I remember asking her one time what her church actually taught, you know, on different topics. And, and she was, uh, you know, a well-formed Catholic, which means she didn't know anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I know. I was like, all right, well. So after that, uh, I went to college, and I fell away from my faith pretty quickly. You know, you get caught up in the college scene. I you know, joined fraternity, got involved with the party life and everything else, and and everything that, that goes with that. And uh, I fell away from the faith, and I began to really dabble into uh, into witchcraft. And uh, the big thing for me actually was Ouija boards. Oh, and, dear. I'll do that. Oh yeah, it was it was not good. Um, it got to the point where, you know, I was doing that stuff so much, or uh, that that things would manifest, and I was pretty depressed. I mean, after I really kind of abandoned Christ, I was really struggling with depression anyway. And then in college, uh, the party life actually didn't help that element of it. <laughs> it <actually increased. laughs> yeah, imagine that sin yeah. never bringing peace. Can you imagine that? But you were yeah. looking for happiness, which is what we all are looking for. Of course. I mean, we're made for love. We're yep. made for happiness, true happiness. And and uh, anything in this world really cannot satisfy that deep desire. And so I was looking for, you know, love in all the wrong places in that sense. And so I turned to, to witchcraft for some kind of control over my life, and desire for power to, to, to have some, some element of exerting my will over my own misery. And that ended up making me even more enslaved. So I would get demonic manifestations at night. It, it wouldn't be uncommon for me to wake up at night and have a, a room full of eyeballs looking at me in the dark and and um, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and so I, I remember I was, uh, I kind of had a breakdown. Uh, and one of the fraternity brothers had suggested that I, I go on a, a retreat. Yeah, I, I I didn't jump at it just yet, uh, but I had an experience right before that 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 prompted me to, to go on this retreat. It was one of the fraternity brothers who was Catholic. Actually, we were going to go to a movie one day, and so we stopped by the Newman Center there, uh, the Catholic Campus Ministry, and he needed to go talk to the priest for a minute. And he's like, "Oh, well, I'm only going to be a few minutes. You can stay in the car if you want, or you can come inside." I'm like, "Well, hey, you know, I'm going to come inside." 
never been to anything Catholic. I'm like, why not, you know? So I go in there, and they had converted a two-story house into this Newman Center. And so I'm wandering through it all. You know, it looks like a house. But then I go into this one room that has an altar. And I'm like, well, I know what that is, because growing up in the Methodist Church, we had an altar. Uh, We'd have communion service, you know, once a month there. And so I I knew what that was. But uh, I could not figure out what that gold metal box in the corner was. I mean, Mm. I sat there and I yeah, we all know what it is, but I, I had no clue. I looked at that, and I pondered, I'm like, okay, I have no idea what that's for. So as I'm just kind of staring at that for a while, eventually, my fraternity brother pops in the chapel, he genuflects, my right knee, he jumps up, and he goes, all right, let's go. I'm like, hold on, hold on, I got questions. And so I asked him, so what is that metal box in the corner? He goes, oh, well, that's the tabernacle. I'm like, yeah. I just kind of stared at him. He's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, what, what's the tabernacle? I don't know what the mm-hmm. tabernacle is. And so so he kind of began to explain to me about, uh, at Mass, that the Eucharistian bread changes into Jesus and that they, they put him in, in the tabernacle so he can be brought to the sick or we can come and pray. And I looked at him and said, so what you're telling me is this. That the Jesus I grew up studying in the Bible, because I loved reading the, the Bible growing up, I did. The same Jesus is actually right there in that box. Like, it's really him. And he just looks at me, says, yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. And I believed it. I don't know how, I figure I... I said, I have a bunch of dead Catholic relatives praying for me. (laughs) 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 Kind of figured that out later, that that my family is Protestant, but my extended family, as I'm finding out after I had become Catholic, we're all Catholic. Really? Wow. Yeah, I'm like the island of Protestantism. Yeah. And so on my mom's side, well, my mom's dad was was Catholic, it turns out, and she never talked about him because... He's a raging alcoholic. He, he had issues, and so the whole family was broken. So they all ended up growing up Methodist. So what and nationality so, was your mother? Uh, my mom was the C. She has Irish background. Oh, so Lawler okay. was her maiden name. Mm. And, and which is, you know, good old Irish, and I'm going to be Catholic generally. Yeah, great. And sure enough, yeah, but I didn't know that growing up. I didn't know my, my grandpa on my mom's side. Uh, he had died when I was like three or four, and so and, and she never talked about him ever, and no one in the family ever talked about him. But I found out later because he was not a good man, mm-hmm. and and so their their exposure to Catholicism was that, and so it was never mentioned until after I became Catholic. And actually, even after I became Catholic, they didn't even talk about it until I started pursuing priesthood. Wow! <laughs> Have you offered masses? Then it came up. Have you offered masses huh? for your grandfather? I've offered masks for the whole thing. Nice. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's certainly one of the advantages of being a priest. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I figured I had a lot of dead Catholic relatives must have been praying for me that that day in the chapel I received the grace to believe in the real presence. And I didn't know what that was going to do to really change my life. I mean, it didn't dawn on me that in that very moment God was implementing a plan that he had, well, planned from all eternity. And so it was soon after that that I had the breakdown, and, and another person encouraged me to go on, on a retreat with the Catholic ministry there. And so I did. And I remember experiencing just the mercy of God in a way I've never experienced before. 
me, uh, the Holy Spirit was powerful, and they had Eucharistic adoration on that retreat. And I remember the Holy Spirit just convicting me of my sins, badly, uh, to, to the core of my being, of all the horror I had done, and uh, the ways I've offended God and everything else. And this was coming to me in, in prayer, even though the the retreats and stuff, the talks weren't actually geared toward a lot of that, yeah, but the Holy Spirit was convicting me pretty good. Father, can you? Remember, could you yep. just, for our listeners' sake, um, when the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin, um, how is that different than uh, if the evil one is is taunting us about our sin? How did you know the That's difference? A question. That's a great question, actually. Okay, the evil one, when he approaches a person with their sinfulness, is he will accuse them and try to keep them in guilt. Mm. In shame and fear of God because of their wretchedness. Okay. So he will move in a way that does not draw the soul to the mercy of God, but actually spurns it. And so what the Spirit was doing with me is, yeah, he's convicting me, and in that conviction, what was being offered to me was the overwhelming mercy mm. of God. And that is what actually broke me more than anything, was that, was I could not understand how God could be so immeasurably merciful to a horrific man like myself. And uh, I remember muttering that the whole weekend, actually, when I talked to people. I'm like, I, how can God be so merciful to me? You know, and, But I was overwhelmed with both His mercy and the depth of my sinfulness. And um, and God brought those two together so that I I had a a hope and an overwhelming sense of divine love that I've never had before in my entire life. And I remember thinking, this is what I want. This is what I want. I I don't want that the demonic stuff anymore. I, I, I that stuff was just destroying me. I said, this this is what I really want. And I recognized in that moment that how empty I was. Because God filled me. Wow. And then I feel yeah. And I said, Okay, this this is uh this is what I want from now on. And so at that point I actually started to hang out with the Catholic ministry there. Um and it got to the point where I would end up going over to the Newman Center every day and I plot myself in front of the tabernacle. And I remember the first time I did that, I sat there for like five minutes and I'm like, You know, Lord, you know, I believe it's you there, but I don't know how to pray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? As I reflect on, on my life growing up, I didn't really pray much. I read the Bible a lot. I went to church on the weekends. I went to youth group. I was really involved in the youth group. But I, I didn't pray much, and I really didn't know how to pray. And so I just sat there, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to I'm just going to sit here. And that's all I'm going to do. I don't, don't really know what else to do, Lord. So I'd sit there for five minutes, and then I'd leave, and then the next day I'd come back, and then I'd stay about ten minutes. And I'd tell them the same thing. Say, well, you know, I, I just want to sit here with you. I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to sit here. And then it just kind of started to stretch into half hour, an hour, two hours. And then what the Lord started doing, He started teaching me how to pray. And um, I was always uh, amazed that if this is really you, why aren't why isn't anybody else in here with me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it always dawned on me. I, I was always there alone. And then that, even when I was there an hour or two hours, that no one else would come in. I'm like, why? 
why don't people visit you? <laughs> you know, it always dawned on me. I couldn't understand that. If, we, if the Catholics believe, why aren't they there? I said, you know what? That's all right. I'm here. <laughs> Father, we're going to interrupt right here. we got a break coming up, so we're going to leave you alone in the chapel for now. But we'll come back after the break, and we'll take up the story after that. So uh, for all our listeners, uh, stay with us. There's more to come on this story. We're only about uh, maybe, what, halfway there? Okay. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Mayo Pharmacy in Bismarck is a faith-based pharmacy committed to delivering excellent care. We're pro-life and pro-family, respecting the dignity of the human person while providing for your individual needs. We have Catholic gifts for all ages, from mystic monk coffee to cards and crucifixes. Plus, we offer a wide range of clinical services, including rapid influenza testing and diabetes care management. You can visit us at 303 North 4th Street to discover the Mayo difference. Our number is 701-223-2424. Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar. In this world of suffering and pain, we've all experienced loss, especially the death of someone we love. And it's never harder than it is with suicide. In our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and for You, we want to be able to help you. We know that the pain and suffering is great, but we also know that we, we can get through it. So please visit suicideandhope.com to learn more. Thank you. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision provides eye exams for the whole family and specialty services like vision therapy and custom contact lenses. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Moto Eyewear, which gives away a pair of glasses to a child in need for every frame sold. We are so grateful for your support and grateful to be supporting RPR. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Okay, we're back with Father Jeff Epler of the Diocese of Fargo. Uh, I'm Jack Canelli, and with me is my wife, Doreen. We are your hosts, and we're in the final segment of Real Presence Live. And uh, before the break, we left Father in the chapel, wondering, where is everybody else? <laughs> true, true. Um, you know, the Lord, in that prayer time, began to connect me to different people that would be influential in my faith journey. Because at this time, I still not, I'm not Catholic yet. And I really didn't have the inclination to actually become Catholic yet, even though I loved the fact that I could avail myself of Catholic things. Now, now the ministry that I, that the campus ministry there was pretty liberal in the sense that, uh, well, they knew I wasn't Catholic, but I'd go to Mass each day, 
and they gave me Eucharist. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> and this uh-huh. was yeah, in no, the eighties. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, this is this is uh, yeah, actually, it's uh, the late eighties, beginning nineties. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was a bit out there in that sense. And um, well, when I finally did take the plunge to become Catholic, I stopped receiving uh, until I got confirmed. So, but, but uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, but the Lord put me in connection with uh, people who had certain gifts that would help me in my faith. One was charismatic element. I got introduced to some Catholics who had charismatic spirituality, and I was really open to that whole reality of the Spirit moving and the time of the prophecy, and all that. All those, those different gifts of Spirit intrigued me. And so oftentimes when I'd be praying with them, I'd kind of go out in the Spirit, and, and it, they call it flame in the Spirit or rushing the Spirit, and what I found was each time that would happen, that the Spirit would start teaching me about the Eucharist, and would, would draw me into the mysteries of the Real Presence uh, interiorly, and start instructing me in the faith. And um, eventually, the Lord uh, revealed Himself to me through, through those forms of prayer that He actually wanted me to be a priest, which was a big surprise to me because, well, that never really dawned on me. Um, you know, going to Catholic, you never think about that. And I'm not Catholic yet, either. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, wow, so you, you want me to be a priest? And I'm like, oh, well, i got to be Catholic for that. I'm like, okay. So at that point, I decided to take the plunge and join the RCIA program there. And and so I I did stop receiving communion, because you, you learn that, okay, it was wrong. Okay, I hadn't been to confession yet, even though I believe in real presence. I, I came to realize, okay, here's what the Church is really teaching on these things. And so I started really getting in line with all that. I'm like, okay. And so my first confession, oh, before I got confirmed. <laughs> that was interesting. I did write down everything, okay? I could. There's no way I could remember everything. So I, I did a good examination of conscience and wrote everything down. And I have a nice laundry list of things. Even though I got baptized when I was 16, which removed all the sins up to that point, I still had a good bucket full of them uh, since then to bring before the Lord. And so confession was uh, was actually exhilarating and awesome to hear that I was forgiven, mm. and then I got confirmed. And then I began to pursue the priesthood. And uh, my parents didn't have any issue with me becoming Catholic. It was when I told them I was going to be a priest, wow, that was the reaction I didn't expect from them. They've been supportive of me up until this time. I remember that night I told them I was going to be Catholic. I mean, going to become a priest. And I remember we were at the dinner table, and my dad just dropped his fork and just stared at his food, and was dead silent. My mom, on the other hand, she dropped her, her silverware and looked at me and just started screaming, my son is dead. My son is dead. Oh, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what, Mom? <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm right here. My son is dead, and she just, she just panicked and freaked out. And I'm like, oh, boy. And I remember thinking in, in my heart, and talking to the Lord, I said, you're not going to make this easy for me, are you? And I remember the passage came to my mind in that moment. Anyone who puts father and mother before me is not worthy of me. And that he would bless me a hundredfold in life to come, in this life and life to come. And I'm like, okay, Lord, this is the sacrifice you're calling me to, then so be it, and the will be done. And my parents ended up supporting me. I mean, they, they came around, they ended up supporting me, but it was a challenge for them. Uh, God didn't make it easy. Um, I mean, I see the Fargo where I'm currently at is, what, the 6th or 7th Avenue. 
for me. Um, I became a priest with the Society of Our Lady Most Holy Trinity in 2003. But I, but the Lord brought me all over the world. He sent me to the Philippines with a different group uh, to study my theology. Brought me to Rome with salt. He brought me uh, to the diocese here uh, through having served in the diocese here. But uh, eventually, after 11 years of pursuing the priesthood, I, I got ordained a priest in 2003. And I remember my that night at my reception, my parents were, were sitting with me, and my mom leaned over at me. She goes, you know, son, I have come to believe that you, God destined you for this. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I, remind, I remembered at night when I told them how her ration was then, and 11 years later, what God had doing had been doing with them and their journey and them trying to support me and trying to figure out what was happening in my life as I would run into dead end, dead end. I'd live in other countries, all over the place, this journey that none of us figured I would ever be on, and that God was bringing them into a journey. And I remember on my ordination, one of the things when you're laying prostrate there in your ordination, you can ask the Lord for particular gifts and favors in your ordination. And I asked him for the grace to be able to, to give my parents the sacraments before they died. And I asked him that. Um, and then three years late, uh, ago, my dad was dying. And we none of Catholic. And I remember knowing that, that I can give sacraments to someone who's dying if they believe. I remember asking my dad, you know, after telling him everything as, as a son, you know, because I knew I wouldn't be able to tell him anything again. And I asked him, I said, you know, Dad, I'm also a priest, and I can offer you some of the gifts of Christ. I said, would you like to receive the 19th and the sec? My dad looked at me, and he was, he was coherent, because he was also struggling with dementia, but he was absolutely coherent. He looked at me. He said, yes, son, I would. And so, um, you know, one of the, the great gifts in the 1906 is forgiveness of sins. Mm. So I asked him, I said, are you sorry for all the sins of your life? He said, yes, I am. He said, good. And so then I gave him the, the 1906 and abstract pardon. And uh, a month later, you know, he's in a coma, he's in, and I was burying him a month later. And so, you know, God is... Uh, so wait on my mom, but she's still alive. So, you know, hey, praise the Lord. There's time. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. um, but my mom is very supportive of, of this whole journey. And it's been uh, it's been a whirlwind. You know, God is uh, pretty awesome and wonderfully surprising. <laughs> and he brought me into the Diocese of Fargo, which I never figured, because I spent the last 20 years with the Society of Our Lady. And uh, he told me, point blank, I want you to go into the Diocese of Fargo. I'm like, what? <laughs> you are a good listener. <laughs> well, you know, I'm also stubborn, so he has to whack me with two by four a lot of times and over and over until I get a point. Oh, yeah. Okay, Father, I wish we had yep. more time, but time is not our friend, so we're coming up on on, uh, on the break. But could you give us a real quick blessing as well? But, we're going to get twice of blessed. Of course. Lord, I ask that you place all those who are listening into the hearts of Jesus and Mary and take care of all their needs. Comfort them, secure them, bless them. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, great. Thanks. Thank We've you, been Father. talking with Father Jeff Epler. And now I think it's time for Therese to give us a... Yep, so 
on our next show, Real Presence Live, on Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Hosts Father Tim Cohn and Heather Carroll are your hosts, broadcasting from Holy Spirit in Mitchell. They'll sit down with a group of NET team members to talk about what they'll be up to in the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Then tune in to hear who will win donuts during this week's Honor Our Fathers segment. And Father Scott Trainer will be on to tell us about an exciting conference coming up at the Broomtree Retreat Center. All that and much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live. That's Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Okay, Therese, thank you very much. Well, I think it's been a good show today. I thought it was, uh, I, I thought it was a lot of fun and very interesting. I thought, uh, uh, you know, uh, Monsignor Donnie, who's talking about uh, baptism, the, the importance of form and matter, you know, it, it's, it's, it's something that has to be taken very seriously. Uh, Father Epler's story was <laughs> stunning, to say the least. I had, uh, we had no clue coming into this about his background and so yes wow it's so fun to and inspiring to hear the way god works in a person's life and uh and like i said he's such a good listener he heard and he listened and he acted okay should i i've got another joke oh you got another joke okay okay good let's go with it okay i had a dream last night that i was a muffler I woke up exhausted. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Tress, you got to get a drum roll for us. I mean, we're going to be doing this every once in a while. We go, you know, okay, yes, okay. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> well, we still have a few seconds left. Do you have any other jokes to go? Well, I could find another joke. Well, while joke you're finding here. another joke, I want to thank our other guests for being uh, on as well. Uh, 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 who am I missing? Oh, Jeff. No, not Jeff. It was John Berger talking about the men's group, and I think the one of the important lessons there is it's important for men to be together and know they're not alone in their faith. And lead. Yes. And also uh, uh, Grace Clausen from Collegians for Life. They have a vibrant group out there. Okay, the music's coming up, so we'll see you next time. On the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live. Local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.